Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Bayou Chronicles. We're your hosts. I'm Bethany. And I'm Crystal. It is local week, so we have a very sad case from Shreveport to bring attention to today. Crystal will be telling us. Um, Before we get started, we wanted to shout out all of the new listeners that joined us lately. We have seen a little jump in the analytics, which is really, really cool that we like to see. And it's really exciting. It's really, it's humbling, I guess. So thank you for listening and supporting us and... We do have a bit of a crazy, spooky month happening for us. We haven't decided if our monthly Twitch stream will be happening or not. If a Twitch stream does not happen, we will just record an episode and have that up for you guys instead. You will get something. Um, but yeah, basically that's what we have going on. It's just life's been a little bit crazy and crystal's been busy and we're having to record separately tonight um but i'm not gonna spend too much time doing an intro and i'm just gonna go ahead and pass it on over to crystal we just have had like the busiest crazy lives yeah it's been all over the place i don't really understand why but i guess it's just been a crazy like two months it's been a crazy summer But okay, anyway, so we do have a really local to me case to talk about. Um, I am wishing and hoping that this case does, people who listen to it that are local remember it and be like, oh yeah, I remember when that happened and it jogs some memories and it's just, you you get to remember these boys just for a few more minutes and honor their lives for just a few more minutes. Um, I'm going to tell you about three brothers who, in my opinion, I did not know them, but it seemed like their brilliant lights of their life were just snuffed out in an instant and way too soon. Um, I will say that I reached out to one member of the family that I could find on Facebook, um, but I did not hear back from them. So um, I just went ahead and went with this case and just talk about everything that I can find about the boys. Um, Obviously, if there's anyone out there that knows them or knew them personally and there's anything that you would like said or that anyone would like said in remembrance of them please let us know we'll be more than happy to give you a platform to share um but in one day the family of jeremiah jarquise i believe that's how you say his name if i was trying to look it up on the news but you know the news can like destroy people's names and not even come close to them so i'm assuming that's how it said and jean um Their family lost all three of them due to what I consider to be just completely senseless violence. Jeremiah was 20 years old when he was killed. He was in college at Southern University, and everyone says that he was a phenomenal big brother. He was a role model to his his younger brothers. He liked to play sports when he was in high school. I'm pretty sure, I think it said he did basketball, football, and he ran track. So, like, this kid was year-around playing and doing some kind of sport. He attended church every Sunday. He was involved in everything that could, like, you could do at the church. Like, he was involved. And he was actually the leader of their small youth group that they had as well. Um, his family said that he was incredibly protective of his brothers and he always wanted to make sure that they had the best possible life and that they, you know, they succeeded. Um, his younger brother, the middle brother was 18 year old Jarquise who graduated, who had just graduated when this happened from Huntington high school. And their youngest brother was 13 year old Gene, who was a student at Uri drive middle school. All three boys loved being outside. They loved animals. They loved horses and grew up around them and, like, knew a lot about them. Um, They had all three of them been raised by their aunt, um, Clara Morgan, and their grandmother, Bernice Adams. 
Now, at the time of their death, Jeremiah and Jarquise were living out in Keithville, which is just south of Shreveport, but okay. it's still considered Caddo Parish. Um, Keithville is where, or well, it's closer to heading that way of like, you know, where. Um, it's not that far away. I've been there. Where my grandparents live. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, they were living with their Aunt Clara out there. And Jeremiah wanted to find a way for Jean to come out there and live with them. Because Jean lived with their grandmother, Bernice Adams. And Jean loved being out in the country. He loved, like, animals. And he even wanted to be a vet when he grew up. So, like. <sighs> Me too. That was my childhood dream. Now, on August 16th, 2010, all of these big dreams that these boys had would just be stolen, completely stolen away. That wasn't that long ago. And I should say that Jeremiah was in school. He was a sophomore um, and he was in he was in an engineering program. So this kid was smart. Nice. He He was on doing great things. So a core most I will say this um a vast majority of this came from the Supreme Court um what would you call it my brain's slipping the Supreme Court my brain is not working basically where, like, the Supreme Court reviews a case just basically to make sure, like, you can appeal it and appeal to the state court. It's basically that. Anyway, that's where most of this information came from. So, according to a young man named Kyle King, him and Jarquise went over to the home of LaShawn Jackson to purchase weed from her boyfriend named Marcus Reed. Now, LaShawn's children and her brother Daniel also lived in the home with her. He claimed, Kyle, claimed that Jarquise got out of the car and approached the house and then came back about five minutes later to the car. He then had Kyle move the car around so that it was, like, facing the street so that they could, like, quote, like, get out faster. And once this was done, they went back into the house, and that's when Jarquise went to the back of the house and stole, allegedly, stole an amp. I guess like a guitar amp and an Xbox 360 while Kyle stole some weed. And I guess both of them stole weed. According to Kyle, Jarquise said that he wanted to come back later and get more stuff because he didn't get everything that he wanted out of the house. Now, it was a matter of fact in the case that someone broke into the house, but only Kyle claims that it was him and Jarquise, like, there's no other person that can cooperate that. That makes sense. So, when Marcus and LaShawn first returned home, that's when they found some of their things missing. Obviously, the Xbox 360, the Wii, like, that's pretty, it's a pretty big deal. Like, if he's a dealer, that's a pretty big deal if you come home and you find your Wii gone, you know? So, they immediately blamed it on her brother, Daniel. <laughs> and... Daniel was like, no, this was not me. I did not do this. I did not have anything to do with it. And he was eventually able to convince them that he had nothing to do with it. So at this time, when Daniel gets home, he is there with his friend Shannon and Shannon's wife, Bridget. They're all, all three of them get to this house get to the house so marcus is angry he is calling around to people trying to figure out who stole from him calling like his grandmama his cousin everybody like telling everybody like do you know anything this is what happened i need to find out what happened so no one really knows who stole anything who broke in But later that night, he was heard talking on the phone, telling someone that they needed to come get a package before he leaves. And, like, get a package from Marcus usually meant, like, you need to come pick up your weed. So that was, like, I guess the way that he just, he never really said over the phone, come get your weed. You know, it was always, like, each package. 
Um, an hour or so later, though, Daniel and his friend Shannon made their way outside to work on their car as Shannon's wife, Bridget, and LaShawn went to get beer. And they went to get beer because while all this was happening, Marcus started ranting and raving and yelling about how he was going to kill the person who broke into his house. He was just, he was angry. He was walking around with this huge assault style rifle or semi-automatic rifle and was like putting on black latex gloves and just screaming and yelling saying that he was going to kill someone so the two women decided that they were just going to get out and they were going to leave they were going to get out before something bad happened and they wanted nothing to do with it so they went left to get beer and as they were leaving, Shannon realized that he forgot to give them money for the beer. So he ran after them to give them money. On his way back, he saw a gray Chevy Malibu pulling up towards the house. So as he gets there um, and the Chevy Malibu pulls in, a young man gets out of the car. And this young man was Jarquise. And he climbed out of the passenger side up front and immediately just said, hey, where's Mark? Like, that's all he got out of his mouth. And no sooner did he ask this, Marcus immediately yelled, hey, at him and started shooting at him with a, the semi-automatic rifle. Marcus had actually been hiding in the woods behind, like, by the house and came out shooting towards the car, meaning he was lying in wait for him to get there because he had planned on killing him. Now, Daniel recalled Marcus walking around the car, aiming at the windows and shooting out each window as he was going around. And Shannon even said it felt like he was in a game. And if you just heard my husband scream, I'm really, really sorry. I have no idea why he just screamed. Um, but he was walking around the car almost like it was a game, just shooting out the windows. No sooner did he say this, Marcus yelled uh, just all kinds of stuff at the car as he was shooting. And he one by one went and shot both the other two passengers in the car, which would have been Jeremiah and Jean. So once he shot them, he walked back over to Jarquise, who was laying on the ground, and shot him at close range as he laid on the ground. So I'm sorry, that got really, really deep. I know. He just seems like somebody that was already unhinged and was waiting for something like this to happen so he could like be set off that's kind of how i felt too yeah just i don't because you don't you don't go from like fine to i'm gonna kill three people today yeah no that does that's like you don't wake up and just casually think oh i'm gonna kill three people i'm gonna hide in the woods no with a gun this doesn't happen. Over an Xbox. <laughs> no, and some weed. Yeah. <laughs> no, no thank you. So as soon as he shot Jarquise on the ground, he pointed the gun at Daniel and Shannon and demanded that both men help him move Jarquise's body and threatened to kill them if they didn't help. So they tried to say, no, we don't want to have anything to do with this, but he was, he had a gun at him. He, they was holding them at gunpoint. So the men were scared that they were going to be next. So they tried to move, um, they were able to move Jarquise's body into the trunk. And then they were tried to move Jeremiah's body into the trunk as well, but he was too heavy for them. He was about 6'2 and weighed 205 pounds. So he was like, he was a solid built guy, you know, like he played sports his whole life. He's probably mostly muscle. So he was really heavy and that's probably, they couldn't move him as far. So the heat, yeah, it was a little bit harder. So it was around the same time that, um, a neighbor across the street started to pull up 
pull down the driveway and get closer to their house. Well, Marcus saw this, ran into the house, and Daniel saw this as his way to like get out of the situation. So he re- immediately ran across the street to his neighbor. And this neighbor also happened to be his girlfriend's father. Okay. So his girlfriend lived right across the street from him and she lived there with her grandchild or her her child, her dad, and I think his wife. So what I think is kind of funny, it's not funny at all, but in my like really sad, sick humor, and I apologize for it all the time. But when this happened, Shannon thought that Daniel had like abandoned him and just like made a run for it for himself and just like had no idea what was happening. So he didn't want to be killed. And so he just ran home. Like he just immediately left and ran home and locked himself in the house because he was afraid that Marcus was coming after him. I mean, that's a very traumatizing scene. They're all young. You just saw who you thought was a friend shoot three people. Yeah. It's like, I don't so, blame him at all. Yeah. I would. I don't even know how he found, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what I would have done in the situation. Like, I don't even know if I would have ran home. Like, I don't yeah, know what somebody I would have Yeah, because sometimes people get, like, frozen in fear, you yeah. know? Yeah. Like, I might have been and just been like, uh, what do I do now? He had fight or flight and he... Literally had it, yes. Yeah. Yes. So it was shortly after 10 p.m. that his neighbor, James Hendricks, called 911, telling them and basically just relaying exactly what Daniel had told him, that Marcus had killed these people and that he's trying to get away and he doesn't know what's going on. So James basically escorts him in the house, takes him into the bathroom and locks him in the bathroom so that he can clean up and calm down and that he's just like protected. Because in his mind, he was going to say that Daniel was not there. Just good, on, every- good on him. That's nice. So a few minutes later, uh, police arrive to the scene and it's going to take a little bit of time for them to get there. This is out in Keithville, Keechai area. So this is like, pretty far out there and that's when they come up to the car and see the three boys in the car and no one else on the property Mm. jeremiah had been shot seven times and was found halfway in the back seat where daniel and shannon had like given up on moving him gene was found in the back seat with between two to five gunshot wounds um, basically, it's unknown because he had actually held up his arms trying to protect himself from the gunfire because um, he's a baby. I, that's the one that gets me. Like, he literally is only a few years older than Alex. I cried when I wrote that part of this. Like, it just, I don't know. You know how I am. I don't have any thoughts like this. Like, yeah. I physically cannot think about killing somebody and especially not like a child yes he's 13 that's so young that he his instinct was to hold up his arms and just put it in front of his he was scared he was and he probably thought oh i'm gonna go on a car ride with my big brothers where this is cool he probably thought this is really cool i get to hang out with them we're in you know i never found out why they were there, um, but I could only assume that maybe maybe Jarquise was there to pick up weed. Cool. Who hasn't bought weed from a drug dealer before? Like, I mean, I'm sure there's people out there that haven't, but like. Or maybe there was like miscommunication from that last time he was there. Yeah, there could have been like 15 different things. Yeah. Like, I'm like, trying to like out myself right now but like i've driven to some random person's house to buy weed before like that's not a so have that like millions of people in the world that's not a unique experience for people like that's something that's a shared experience people do that a lot you know um it also doesn't make you less of a person no not at all it doesn't make you a bad person or or deserving of murder you know no, yeah. and even in my head, I wasn't trying to, like, I don't think there's, like, a need to, like, justify anything, but, like, 
even if Jeremiah, who was driving, didn't know that they were coming there for that reason, that's still not on him. He still did not deserve that. Even if he knew that's the reason that they were coming there, they didn't deserve that. Or the no. baby that was in the back seat, literally just no. with his brothers. You no know? one deserved this at all. And I don't care what anybody says. There's no, there, nobody deserved this. Um, so that one really upset me. Like he was a baby and okay. his life was taken away. Now, Jarquise was one that was found in the trunk and he was found face down in the trunk and he was shot twice. Once in the chest and then obviously once in the head when Marcus came back over to him. Now, in less than five minutes, all three of these children, for I mean, to me they are, one's 20, one's 18, and one's 13, their children, were murdered and had their entire future taken away from them like that. Their, enti- their family lost an entire generation in seconds. For, for what? Because you think someone stole your Xbox? And because you think someone stole your weed? No. We don't, we don't kill over that. <laughs> like, no. That's a not an appropriate reaction to this anger. Now, at 10.23 p.m., Marcus called his brother David and asked him to pick him up from his girlfriend's house, LaShawn. Now, David couldn't do it, so he called their cousin Brian and had him go pick up Marcus. So, Brian recalled that when he picked up Marcus down the street from LaShawn's house, that he had actually seen some cop cars heading that direction when he was driving there. And that Marcus was acting like very excited, jittery, like just not nervous, but I guess kind of nervous, just like really anxious. And he told him that, like, this is a rough quote, but basically was telling him that he keeps trying to leave the streets, but they keep pulling him back in. And that's like all he told him. So police started to process the crime scene, and that's when they found the semi-automatic rifle hidden underneath the front porch. And while searching the area, they found a bloody tank top in an old, like one of the old yellow school buses that was abandoned and kind of parked nearby. And DNA tests did confirm that it was the there there was blood on it belonging to Jeremiah. Now there was also a handgun that was found in a car belonging to Marcus and another 45 that was in the tree line kind of close to the house. Now, inside the house, police found another gun hidden between the mattress where like in LaShawn's room and a pair of plaid yellow shorts that were covered in blood, and they were soaking in the bathtub. Now, inside these shorts was a black latex glove, which, if you remember, I told you that Bridget said that he was putting on black latex gloves. Now, during the investigation, Daniel, Shannon, and Bridget would all testify that they saw Marcus wearing these items, the tank top, the yellow plaid shorts, that he was walking around with the semi-automatic gun, that he was wearing black latex gloves and talking about killing people and that he was going to murder whoever did this. So they testified to all of this. And it wasn't long that until Marcus was arrested. And in fact, it was really like the next day that he was ultimately scooped up by the police and charged with three counts of first degree murder. Now, he claimed at first that it was like a justifiable homicide and that he was attacked first and that he only killed them in defense because they were attacking him. That doesn't, but he had time to put gloves on or had gloves on him. Who just carries? Yes. Make it make sense. Glo- yeah. Makes sense. Premeditated. Makes sense. So he actually had one person that was called for the defense that 
claimed, I guess, that his story was accurate, that his side of the story was accurate. And this was a man named Clarence Powell. And he attempted to corroborate the story. Clarence attempted to claim that he heard someone yelling at Marcus from his house next door and that he heard a gunshot. Like he heard yelling, heard a gunshot from a handgun, and then heard gunshots from a rifle. So police determined that none of this was possible because there were no other shells or other guns that were near the car the boys came in. Like the only shells that were near the car matched back to the rifle. And none of the other guns they found had been shot. Can't you be arrested for that? Like lying on the stand? Well, he was. It did the this stuff did say that he was incriminated, or technically the word they used was impeached, meaning like they caught him in a lie. Yeah. Um, but to go even further, police were also determined that, or not the police, the prosecution basically caught him in more lies, and it was determined that, from what I can understand, that he wasn't even there when this happened, and that his only reason for saying all of this was because he was trying to protect his mother because it was his mother who lived next door. So he was trying to be this alibi for him to protect him because he was afraid for his mother. So this type of intimidation, though, was not the the only case of it. Shannon and Bridget were actually verbally abused by Marcus's brother, David, when he basically was yelling and telling them that he would blow up their house and kill them if she they testified was. against Marcus. I'm, so I'm just not about to do that for failing. I'm not even going to do that for my own children. Absolutely not. If you kill somebody, if you kill three people in cold blood... You are going to jail. Mommy, mama will send you there herself. Yes, I'll send you like $10 a month to buy some stuff at the commissary maybe, but like. I will will call them myself. I will drive you there. I'm not about to intimidate and threaten. You you killed somebody. I would look them dead in the face and be like, you got me messed up if you think I'm going to try to protect you. Like, I'm going to risk my freedom to protect you. Because then, as a, as a family member, you have to think about those people's families. Yes. They're not That's, here anymore. You're here. You are in, your own in jail person. for the rest of your life. You are your own person. You mess up, that's on you. That is not on me. <laughs> that is not on me. And they don't think about that when they're doing it. They, they're like, oh, I'll get away with it. No, you're going to – now you have to spend the rest of your life in jail. Yep. Good for you. For, for five minutes of anger. Exactly. Literally. <laughs> So this type of, like, I guess intimidation led to several stories throughout this process to be different. Basically, like, what police were first told, like, the first story from, like, Shannon, Bridget, Daniel even, they weren't the full truth. And they had to invest it and ask them, interrogate them several times in order for them to get the full truth, especially at the trial. And they had to basically account for, like, why were you lying? Why did you tell the story? And, you know, some of it was like, you know, I was in shock. This just happened. I didn't know what was going on. And then eventually it came down to the, it was it was witness intimidation, basically. Um, so sad. It is. It's horrible. And Bridget's version of the truth eventually was able to be corroborated by police because – um, a police officer actually gave her and LaShawn a ride home or ride over to Bridget's house because after they had went to get beer on their way back, they actually ran out of gas. And they were walking back to LaShawn's house when a cop pulled over, asked if they were okay, told them they ran out of gas, and he they asked to go to Bridget's house. And actually, when they were in the car, that's when there was news of this incident happening at LaShawn's house. And that's kind of when they knew that something really did bad happen. Happen, yeah. This cop wasn't able to take them all the way to their house, but they 
dropped her off. They dropped them off at a particular road. And this cop said, yes, I did drop them off at this road. So they did know she was telling the truth and didn't have anything to do with that situation. I guess that was nice of him. Yeah. I mean, it, they're way out in the middle of the boonies. Yeah. And my, and so it was probably a long walk home. In the end, though, Marcus was found guilty and was sentenced to death for the murders of the three boys. And he remains on death row today. He did try to appeal it. And they went to the Louisiana Supreme Court and the United States Supreme Court. That's how far this case went. It went, um, yeah, all the way up to an opinion of if it was justifiable that he be given the death sentence. And ultimately, it was decided that it was, I guess, I, I hate saying justifiably giving someone the death penalty or whatever. That's not whatever you want to go with that. But they did agree that the Supreme Court did vote that he he would remain to retain the death penalty sentence and it wouldn't be commuted down to life. Now, um, I will say in discussing all of this and learning about his death sentence, I had to educate myself on more things about the death sentence. And while reading the opinion from the Supreme Court, something popped out to me, and I did not know this, but apparently Caddo Parish has one of the, in the country, one of the highest per capita rate, like rates for giving out the death penalty. Like Caddo Parish gives out the death penalty more than a majority of the country. Like, it is bad. Jeez. So, I do feel, in saying all of this about their story, that it is important that I address one more thing. And this is not an attempt to minimize the crime that Marcus committed or the loss of this these boys' lives at all. If anything, it's meant to just draw attention to the systemic racism that exists in Caddo Parish and in Louisiana. And if me talking about this and me saying this on this podcast makes anyone feel defensive or anxious or just angry, please just take a step back, reflect on why you're feeling those emotions. Why did me saying the word systemic racism make you like make your butthole tighten up and you get all <laughs> anxious? Okay? Oh, God. Like, like, why did you feel that way? Someone out there is feeling defensive right now. Release the clinch. The clinch, and ask yourself why that. Why did you just have that? Why did you just feel that? And just reflect on those emotions and ask yourself why you got defensive. Ask those questions. I don't know what questions you got to ask yourself, but ask the questions. I wasn't defensive. I sadly was like, "Oh, I'm not surprised by that." That's how I felt too. Yeah, which is even sadder. I think. Like I'm not surprised. Surprised, yeah. Research because I feel like that's the thing I'm supposed to do, right? I'm supposed to research. So at the time Marcus was sentenced by a jury of not his peers, I know they say it's of of your peers. Um, He was actually sentenced um, by. Hold on, let me do my math real quick. Okay, I believe. I don't remember, like, the full breakdown, but I do know that of the 12 people that sentenced him, only four consisted of black Americans. Two black men and two black women. Okay. So, uh, uh, that to me is not a jury of his peers. That's just me. It's not a jury of his peers. Now, Caddo Parish, at the time that he was sentenced, Caddo Parish made up 38% of the state of Louisiana's death penalties. Jeez, that's almost half. Like the literally. Par- yes. The parish only holds 5% of our state's population. Yeah, it's not even it's really not even a big parish when you think yeah. about all the other ones. We have 64 parishes. Yeah. We are the I think at the time of this, we we constantly 
jump back and forth between us and Lafayette, between the like the third and fourth place of the largest cities in Louisiana, like the metro areas. Yeah. Okay? So this time I think it was us. So we're the third largest city in the state of Louisiana. And in our parish, we had 38% of the death penalties. <laughs> Just think about that. Now, of the death sentences from 2010 to 2015, 80% of those sentences were of black individuals. 80%. And as of 2015, in Caddo Parish, no white person has ever received the death penalty for killing a black person. So I'm just letting those sit in. Sitting. So like, just sink in. Just, just take those all in. Take that all in. Now, former Caddo Parish DA, Dale Cox, is not only, he's not our DA anymore, thank the Lord, is not only responsible for one-third of the death sentences from 2010 to 2015, one-third. One DA is responsible for one-third. And if you're bad at math, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. This man also said that he believed the state of Louisiana should be, quote, killing more people. I, I just don't, I go, I go back and forth on death penalty. I just don't feel it in my heart that that's our decision. But then I also don't think these people should be able to, you know, roam around society. I I agree with you. I I just, I don't feel that in my soul. If we're so angry at these people for murdering, then why do we think it's okay to, in, in such a sense, murder them themselves. Because it is it, murder. I think it's a life for a life kind of concept. Like how the there's like the extremist who believes that a woman who has an abortion should also be put to death because life for a life. I've just, ne- I've just never felt that in my heart and that soul my entire me, life. That is just to me very extreme. And while I understand why we have the death penalty, I guess... I don't know. I will say right now, I do not think I am qualified or educated enough to make a decision. No. One way or the other. Yeah. But all I can say is that it is very, what the statistics are saying that I am looking at, it is proof to me that there is an injustice happening when it comes to the death penalty, specifically in Caddo Parish. Yeah, and I'm sure if we're going to go to that extreme, why is it not equal? Why are we not, you know? What What's going on? What's like, what's going on? So, yeah, this remark that he made, though, was actually in response to a man named Glenn Ford being exonerated for a crime that he did not commit after he had served 30 years in prison. Yeah, I remember when that happened. And this man was sentenced by an all-white jury. Yeah. And served 30 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. Now, I also want to bring a little more into perspective. Caddo Parish has the second highest reported, the second highest reported lynchings in the country. The country. Not Louisiana, the country. Well, technically it is Louisiana because the number one in the country is LaForche Parish down south with 52 reported lynchings. Not surprised at all by that. Next door, Bossier Parish, which technically is included in the Shreveport metro area, has 26 reported lynchings. So tell me again that there is not some type of systemic racism happening in Caddo Parish when the same people who were lynching these people are the DAs and the judges or they're the children of the people who did these lynchings. Hmm. It's just... But also a lot of this stuff was set up to be that way. It was. our, Our prison systems... Uh, even the part of town you live in where certain stuff is in town was set up 
systematically this way. Yes. And again, I am not excusing the crimes of Marcus Reed. I am not. I just think it's a great time to bring awareness to this issue because one, it hit me close to home. And two, I didn't realize any of this about my like where I grew up. So black men in 2020, young black men in 2020 were more likely to die from murder, drug overdoses, car accidents, and suicide than any other demographic. Mm, That's really sad. That is sad. The population that suffered the most in 2020, including including from COVID, were young black men. Jeez, I did not know that. The black COVID, COVID. like when you add all of that in, that's everything in. That's the that's the population that suffered the most. Now, the black and people of color population is more likely to also receive a harsher sentencing than their white counterpart for the the same crime. Hmm. So the same crime. And just because you're black or brown, you're going to receive a harsher, harsher punishment. Schools in predominantly black, Latino, or native student populations receive on average $1,800 less per student than schools that have lower people of color student numbers. I believe that because of my own high school that I went to. Just And why do you think when you go somewhere and the high school has a freaking $10 million high school football stadium, but they can't pay their teachers? They can't give their teachers money for supplies. I mean, I think about my own hometown because, I mean, I never showed you my high school, but this – and that's why I was talking about – Parts of towns and stuff are set up that way on purpose because where I went to high school is in, you know, quote unquote, the bad area of town and it's run down and it's falling apart and the classrooms are awful. And then if you go to the quote unquote good side of town, it's that's where they sent all the money and it was a really nice school and it was mainly white people. Mm-hmm. And exactly. I just happened to go to the other school, you know? Exactly. And we wonder why black children are four times more likely to be put in a juvenile detention center than white children. Uh, well, we're yeah. not putting money into our into our neighborhoods and into our schools to help children. We're keeping them on a path that says if you want to make money, you have to go sell drugs or you have to do this or that. And you don't, we don't even give them an option because we're not helping them because they have no options. And they feel like that's all that they can contribute it into this society. Black, Latino, and native peoples are 62% more likely to be in prison for drug related offenses than white people, despite the fact that drug use numbers are consistent across races. So white people do not use drugs less than black people. Everybody uses drugs. Literally. Just arrested or in jail less often. Yeah. So I'm just going to end this here. Um, And this, I just want to clarify, it is not my responsibility, nor is it the responsibility of any black person that you know to educate you on the racism that has been ingrained at every level of our country's government. Like it is not my responsibility, nor is it anyone else's. It is your responsibility to find this out and discover and educate yourself. If any of anything that we said the last like 10 minutes of this has made you uncomfortable, I'm not sorry. You need to be uncomfortable. And I encourage you to spend a little bit of time self-reflecting and educating yourself. Because if any of these statistics were alarming to you as a parent, as they should be, you should be questioning and wondering why. And if you say, oh, well, that's not how it is in my neighborhood. Oh, I know, I know black kids who've never done that. Mm. There's a lot of black kids in my school and they're all, their parents are all wealthy. Well, good for you. Great for you. Get out of your environment and go look at a different environment. Take yourself out of that environment and look at where other people are struggling. 
So that's all I have to say about this. This was not meant to be a rant of any kind. It was just I wanted to make sure that these boys' story was heard and that it is known that every bit of this story was preventable. And this was, in my opinion, one of the most senseless killings that I have come across in my city. Well, I think when, you know, he was telling his friends that the streets are calling me, that's like a big indication because a lot of people think that's the only life they'll ever live, you know, selling drugs and, you know, committing crimes and stuff because they're told by society that's all they're good for and that's all they can do. Mm Mm-hmm. When we could just, you know, all band together and everybody is worthy of success and being the best version of themselves. And it takes a village, dude. Like, Yeah, and just, you know, a little compassion and empathy and just in general being a good person and helping others and not like, you know, how many times we, well, this is something on the news. Well, was it a black person? Of course it was. You know, that's how people think and it's disgusting. Like, you should just be like, what was the crime? Oh, well, that's, you know, a shame. It was preventable. Not, oh, well, you know. They deserved it. Yeah, they did. Of course, it's a black person. That's, no, that's so disgusting to think that way. But it does happen. It does. And I'm going to say it. If that's something that comes across your mind, please, please ask yourself next time you say those words and you think those words, ask yourself, why why are you saying that? The next time a black guy walks towards you on the street and you clutch your purse or switch your purse to the other side, ask yourself why. Why Why did you just do that? Yep. And I guarantee you, you will not come up with an answer that's not racist. It's, mm-hmm. you're, it's not going to happen. That's true. And you can just hold yourself accountable because you can grow. You yes, can, everyone can, can grow. grow. Every can person grow. can grow. I'm not saying that's all we're asking. The bar is literally, we say this all the time, but the bar is literally on the floor and you could walk over it and still make improvement. And and that's that's not even saying saying that Bethany and I don't have room to grow. We're not. No, I always have room to grow. And I always have have so much to learn about racism and the things that affect people every day. Yeah. And that is my job and it's my responsibility to educate myself. And make myself a better person. Exactly. Because I didn't know some of the... Was I surprised by those statistics? No. But I didn't didn't know some of those. And I should have. And it's good that, you know, you told me and everybody listening. Yeah. And I'm sure there will still be people that probably get a little upset and felt like we're being preachy. Well, I I get one preachy podcast every six months. Yeah. This was it. Just give it to me. I promise gonna do i'm not trying to be a social justice warrior every episode this one just really it really got to me but we talk about a lot you know race aside color aside lifestyle aside we talk about a lot would all of this happen all these deaths that we talk about literally weekly happen if you know better lifestyles better home life you know better situations there's so many different things and it's on it's on all sides. Yeah. And that's the big picture that it's not even us really, I guess, preaching, air quoting here. It's just how many times do we get on here on the podcast and we're like, just this one fraction of their life had been different. Would they have done these things? And mm-hmm. we don't know. Some people are, you know, just wired that way. But some stuff is very preventable. I agree. Know? I agree. That's just how I see it. Okay. Well, that's all I have for everyone. Um, And I hope that you learned something from today's episode. I know I did as well. Um, Please take a few minutes as you're finishing listening up to this. Google programs, nonprofits that you can be involved in or places that you can donate your money to. Um, That's what people need, money. Money makes the world go round. So if you can give up some of your money or some of your time, if you don't have money to give um, towards good educate, good, not education, good programs that help and benefit and prevent things like this from happening. 
Or just your it. mind, like, oh, I thought something today. What can I do to not think that way tomorrow? Oh, yes. That's so like simple. Thing to do is so just simple. Change how you think. I literally tell people all the time, the best thing that you can do, because it's something I do for myself, is anytime I have a thought, I stop and say, why did I think that? Yeah. And that usually will lead you down a process of saying, okay, that is just some, that's a behavior I was taught. That is something I heard people yeah. say. Is it true? No. So let why me re, let me it? re-educate myself. Yeah. And then the next time you go to think it, you're going to be like, wait, 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 wait. I already had this conversation. Like that makes no sense. That I, I was thinking that. And then you change. Like, yeah, just, that's how it happens. It's not a bad thing. It's not hard. Yeah. Or challenge yourself. If you're listening to this, say at this moment or tomorrow, if you walk somebody, walk by somebody, just say, hey, how are you doing today? Or, hey, I like that shirt you have on. Or, I like yeah. those earrings. So, you don't know, like, just, just how, yeah. They're bad. You might change that person's whole entire day by just saying, hey, you are dressed very nice today. Yeah. You, know, you look very nice. Hey, I hope you're having a good day. You know? Like if you're like, I mean, I'm not to like, again, be preachy, but like if you're homophobic or transphobic, number one, I don't know why you're listening to this because that doesn't seem like you're trying to demographic to be listening to this podcast in general. But like if you are and you have a problem with people and that's something that you don't want to get over because of whatever reason you don't want to get over it, cool, but just still think of that person as a human being yeah. and if you happen to like what this person is wearing if you like the way their hair yeah. is if you like the pair of earrings that they have on just tell them yeah because it takes two seconds to be nice oh and, and it, it takes change their whole vibe i know yeah. for me it would if i was having a really bad day and somebody's like i really like your shoes i'd be like oh my god thank you so much and then you i would think about you, that for the rest of the day i'd be like oh my god if you don't like, like my it. shoes yeah like, you know how many times I've not liked something that someone was wearing, but I could tell they needed a compliment? And their and whole so face just lights up. Yeah. yeah. Like, I could literally think someone's shirt was ugly, but I would be like, oh, my God, I like your shirt. And yeah. Yeah. It makes them Same. happy. Same. So just treat people a little bit of kindness, and you would be really surprised. Oh, man. change that not only you would have, but everyone in your world would have. So I agree. Okay, that's all we got. Um, normal everything. Drink your water. Take your pills. Get some sleep. Don't stay up super late and try to wake up early in the morning. Um, brush your hair. God, yes. Brush your hair. Brush your teeth. Take a shower. If it's been a week on any of those. Oh, God, yeah. A shower will change your life. Yeah. I'm telling you. And hot shower. No judgment. no judgment if you haven't brushed your teeth or taken a shower in a week. No judgment. Yeah. But this is a safe place and everybody. I feel like by now, two years in should know that. Yeah. So uh, if you haven't done any of that, go go take a few minutes to yourself, treat yourself mm -hmm. and love on yourself and have a great rest of your day. Bye. Bye.